they made a mistake, they're coming to the bench. And that, that's one of my motivators. But I don't leave on the bench very long. I'm not stupid. Welcome to the Competitive Mindset Podcast. Each interview, we talk to leaders who differentiate themselves and achieve high levels of performance through the lens of motivation, competitiveness, and mindset. These conversations lead to thought-provoking idea sharing and growth, accompanied by entertaining storytelling. Welcome along on our journey to lifelong learning, improved performance, and a look inside the competitive mindset. Coach Bob Hefley has won 10 state championships at Randolph High School in boys basketball. He has emphasized keeping your emotions under control, learning from your mistakes, and not being afraid to try something new en route to his massive success. A little bit about your coaching and teaching journey and how it got you to where you were at Randolph. Well, my, a little bit about my life. I grew up in southwest Wisconsin. You probably knew I went to Benton High School. It's interesting, the first year of schooling was in kindergarten. I went to Benton for that, but we went to the out in the country uh, school to Ledmine Elementary for one and a half years. Grades one through six were in one room. Seventh and eighth were in a different room. So the teacher literally go down the row. But the teacher go from row to row to row to teach. Pretty amazing. I had four kids in my class in my grade, so. So you could, going could be educated on grades one through six all at one time if you were really paying attention, right? They made that as a plan, but I wasn't one of those students. Uh, <laughs> I was, only first, I was only in second grade there for a half a year. So then when did you kind of start with basketball from, in your youth? Do you recall that at all? Uh, we had first organized basketball was Ray Swift back in Benton. We got kids together on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday mornings, and we learned some skills and how to play the game, and that's probably my first memory of basketball of any kind. Usually on the playground, it was over other things besides basketball that he had the battle for. But it was competition, right? So what kind of things were you guys doing on the playground that you're competing at? Oh, you name it. And uh, usually it ended up being some confrontations. And the thing was back then, kids took care of their own problems. And I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think parents come to the rescue of their children too easily. But anything you want, you want time in the playground, you want to get in the swing, um, you want to get in the game, you had to compete for it. And that's probably my first uh, opportunity to be competitive. Want a, bit, a little bit about Benton High School. It's kind of interesting we came across this in the last while. But Benton graduates have compiled 16 gold balls and six silver balls in WIA sports. That's 22 from a high school that has about 110 kids in it back then. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. So what do you think the common link is there with Benton and that success? I think a uh, hard work ethic. Um, just a, maybe a rare group of uh, teachers and coaches going through at the same time, but they never forgot their roots, and they were mostly good players themselves and, and enjoyed the sports. And if I had teachers track and field so now you mentioned competing you know just to kind of get what you wanted or, or what you needed as a young kid can you remember the first time you competed in like an organized sport and what you remember about that 
know, I've thought about that, and I don't think it was until like junior high school. It wasn't so much uh, AAU and club ball and organized leagues. And I remember going down to Waterloo one day and coaching some kids from Waterloo, including Billy Kegler. <laughs> well, I do have to ask you about yeah. that. Why did you do that? I'm just curious. I remember that day at being at St. Joe's and you were teaching us about the 131 zone, and that's a yeah. vivid memory in my life. Tell me a little bit about your motivation to do that. Well, your dad asked me, and uh, your dad, he was really a believer in what you could do and what the team could do, and just an all-around good guy. I haven't run into him and your mom this past uh, summer. He hardly recognized me, I don't think. But, well, that says uh, something about his eyesight. <laughs> I think there was a time there, you, uh, probably more than once, you may have left the gymnasium. Is that true? When, started walking from home? <laughs> yeah, my dad and I had a few spats throughout our career, that's for certain. Uh, we never saw, or we saw eye to eye a lot, but there was a few times where we definitely had uh, both of our bullheadedness coming at each other that uh, came through, that's for certain. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta like that. That's important that you understand that. And you know you're gonna bump heads, but you're gonna get through it because you love each other. And uh, obviously, he's done a nice job raising a fine son. Well, I, I appreciate that. And part of that is the competitiveness and understanding when you're in between the lines and what that means, and then when you're not in between the lines and what that means. I think being able to clarify and draw that line is really important to be able to have a relationship that can move forward. Now, it's interesting because my father was a, a farmer. He thought I should be home doing chores instead of participating in sports. But 94, my first state appearance for basketball, we're at the field house floor, and my mom behind the bench, and my mom comes over and hugs me and congratulates me, and I said, well, how come Dad won't come over? And she said, he's so proud of you, he's crying. He doesn't want to see him. I don't think I've ever seen him cry. But uh, I guess outside of that, he bragged about me a lot, which... Just a little different era back then. It was definitely a time, I think, where especially men didn't show their emotions, and that kind of speaks to that. And right. he was definitely proud of you and your accomplishments, but didn't have the ability to express that to you. Can you tell me a little bit about how you started in coaching? started in at Southwestern School with uh, Jim Nadelkoff, which I'll probably talk about more later. But he uh, had, gave me like the fifth grade, sixth grade group that coach and then I volunteered as an assistant on the varsity and what's really important is he gave me the opportunity to take kids they called them the varsity reserves and we would travel out to uh, Illinois Iowa that's when Iowa first had the three-point line our guys loved going out there and jacking it up but that gave me I was in charge of everything getting the kids there running all the offenses defenses taking care of the kids behavior wise so that was a great experience, and at a young age, I'd be able to uh, have him as my mentor and have the opportunity to do things on my own. And then from there, when did you start as a head coach? My first head coaching job was in Gilman. I've had three perfect seasons in my career. Gilman was 0-20, another season of 26-0, and and another season of 29-0. So I always kid myself. Three perfect seasons. Only one was the wrong way. <laughs> that, was first, that was my first head job. 
I had a team that had one player that played 30 seconds in a varsity game the year before at uh, Gilman. We ended up playing them again in a 2007 state tournament. It was kind of neat. I knew those the families and everything. Wow. When you go through a season that is that difficult, when you don't win a game, how do you keep your mindset to keep in trying to improve and improve the kids when you feel like you're just running into a brick wall every day? Or, or maybe you're not. Yeah. Tell me kind of your thoughts through that season. I had to look at it realistically, and I, all I could do was, hey, take advantage of the opportunity to be a head coach at a young age with not that much experience. And boy, did I learn a lot. I learned a lot more from uh, losses than through uh, victories. But it humbles you. You don't forget where you come from, um, good and the bad. So what year did you start coaching at Randolph? Uh, 1988-89. So it took six years before you got to that state tournament. Can you tell me about some of the foundational building blocks you had to build those six years before you eventually made it to the state tournament? I was an assistant to Randy Hazelquist for the first. It's interesting, the year before in 88, Randolph was just loaded, and Southwestern beat him at the state tournament with Jim Nadelka. And that those kids, uh, I had coached a lot of them to, uh, in those reserve games. And next year, I'm in Randolph cheering for them. So I took over Kevin Flagner, who just graduated. I heard of Kevin Flagner, he averaged about 40 a game. Um, so I took over head coach in 90-91 and uh, kind of a rapid trip to 94 and playing Sam Oakey in the state tournament. A group of kids that were a nice mix of underclassmen and varsity and coachable and versatile and we tried new things and they were just a fun group to, to coach and it was a tough loss to Sam Oakey and Cassville. We held them to 39.17 rebounds and nine blocks so I thought we did our part. I was at that game. Sam Oakey and Tyler Selk are two of the players from my childhood that I remember the most for sure so you better believe I was at that game. We had to go the length of the court with 3.9 seconds left to hit a Keith Meadham hit his only three of the, his career <laughs> and send it in an overtime where we lost. So we battled back 95, 96 was our first state championship game. And the only amazing part is I didn't have any good players. That's, and I'm, I still was successful. I hope you know I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I'm glad you clarified for everybody else who's listening. My philosophy has always been don't screw things up. I was a volunteer assistant, the head coach said, what do you think? And I said, it doesn't take a genius to coach these kids. And that's been my experience since I took over as a head coach. And uh, so it was 94. We got uh, knocked out the first round at the state tournament, 95, sectional final of the whole field. 96 was finally uh, we broke through the door and got our first title. I was doing some research for this, and I read a quote where you said, it's harder to win the sectional game than it is at the state tournament. Can you walk me through the rationale and mindset behind that? Well, the state tournament, you're there. That can never be taken away from you. You just can't. It's amazing how well our kids have played in sectional sectional finals because you don't look ahead. You know, that's, that's, they know it's there. And they know what it's all about. But I think there's more pressure on 
to get there than there is when you get there. You know, maybe a lot of teams get there they didn't expect to get there, so they, they don't prepare well enough. But, but yeah, I do believe it's tougher in sectionals. When I read that, I thought to myself, I, I can believe that. I mean, I never played in a sectional final game or got to that point, but being in as a college coach for a few years, there being in games where this game gets you to the national tournament, whatever it might be, those those right. games have a ton more pressure yeah. to to get there. I I would definitely agree with that. Now, can you tell me a little bit about what your definition of success was as a younger coach, and maybe what it was when you retired? Well, there's different levels of success. You know what you're looking for. I think it's important that I know I made too many mistakes trying to find out what success means, and I'm not sure what success means. Obviously, Randolph's has some unbelievable numbers. Um, 58 game winning streak, 175 straight conference games, plus the 94 in a row conference game. You know the 10 titles, 10 out of 11 years. That we were in the finals, we won ten of them. Um, just you know, it, it can't fathom how. And that, that success, that success in numbers in that way. But I look at success as how are the players doing? Um, did they learn from our program? Are they having success now? Have they gone through tough times? I'm sure you heard the story. Colin Vanegelian, one of our players, unfortunately lost his lower legs in an accident at a uh, milling plant, and now he's coaching. Help coach high school. He coaches the junior high, middle school team. So to me, that's success. People that can come over, overcome adversity like that. And I hope our most of our players. I know they are. They're doing well. And a lot of them get into banking. I notice so, and real estate. So they're smart kids over the years. What your motivation was, and how you discovered what that motivation was? Well, I wasn't much of a motivator. I'd have to say, I'm really not sure how that works. I know what motivates me and I can try to motivate players, but if the players and myself need motivation, we're in trouble. What is your motivation for yourself? Not looking stupid or unprepared. And I guess that leans toward the fear of losing. Um, Yeah. I, I try to put into perspective what motivates me. But it's, I think deep down, it's I don't want to be embarrassed. And winning's fun. So if I were to try to put you in the mindset of one of those national championship games, before you take the court, you just mentioned the fear of losing or joy of winning a little bit. What feeling or emotion between those two is going through your brain before that state championship match? Well, I've always had a few butterflies. And, you know, you're, you're worried about things, and, but not too, not too much. But when the game started, I was in the zone. Never doubted we were going to win. I'd always kind of be a little negative what could go wrong. But once the game started to tip off, I, I was in the zone and uh, nothing was going to steer me from what I thought I needed to get done. So you just mentioned the zone and it's something I wanted to ask you about. Because one of the things that I think about when people say your name is how calm you always were on the sideline. So can you talk to me a little bit about where that calm demeanor came from? And when things necessarily aren't going well in a game, what's happening under the surface that you're not showing? 
Well, it's an emotional game, as most uh, sports and competitive sports are, and we really emphasize kids keeping their emotions under control. And to be honest, we've taken some hits over the years as far as kid uh, programs being a little more aggressive than they probably should be, but you got to deal with it. Um, but you got to keep your emotions under control. I never felt comfortable standing up unless I was going to instruct uh, something on the court. And if I felt the official did something wrong, that's about the only time in the game I stand up. I just never was a person that stood up and a screamer. I, that's just the way I am. Um, every, I've only had a few technicals in my life, and every one I earned. But I'll tell you this, every one I was right. <laughs> officials get a little upset when they know you're right and you won't let it go. And I, sometimes I wouldn't let it go and just make my point. But every one I earned, every one I think I was right on. As far as, you know, you got to assure the team that we're not falling apart here, you know. And that goes kind of leads to the next one. Things aren't going well. You got to stay calm. You got to try to keep your players as calm as possible. All your actions have to be uh, calm. Explain what's happening. Come up with a plan or a solution to what's happening. Go to the next possession and see if we can get it going in the right direction again. And like I said, it, it's nice to have coachable kids. Uh, tough kids, uh, kids that are very talented, but put teams first. It's so important. It's a team game, and, and the team part of it really has to shine through. Can you can we talk a little bit about the players? Can you tell me who one of your players was over your course of your career that was the most competitive, and a little bit about something about their competitiveness that stuck out to you? Well, I think you know Ryan Tillema. He was competitive in a different, quiet way. You know, he obviously was talented, and when Greg was out with his injury, he just kind of quietly took over. So there's an example of somebody that can do that. So he more so took over with his actions rather than with his voice? Is that what you're alluding to? You know, we've had some fiery guards over the years, but nobody that gets out of line, we're not real vocal. And... When somebody does get vocal, it usually gets a, a teammate's attention because it doesn't happen very often. And I don't get vocal that often, but when I do, they know it's serious. Something to be said about kind of being immune to it, right? If you're being yelled at or being talked to in an aggressive manner all the time, it just kind of rolls off your right. back like water on a duck. One that just came to my mind, and maybe you remember his, and Hilbert, the state championship game, and Greg Steensman was coming down the court behind him, and Nick Gore, there was a competitor. He loved five foot nothing and tougher than nails. Once he do, he throws the ball off the backboard so Greg can dunk it. <laughs> it takes some toughness to make that decision, and you better pull it off, too. And kids knew they made a mistake. They're coming to the bench, and that, that's one of my motivators. But I don't leave them on the bench very long. I'm not stupid. And they need to get back on the floor. It's funny you bring that up, and I don't know how this happened, but I was texting with Tyler Fisher earlier today, and he he told me to bring that moment up, and he said, I think Coach's heart stopped for about four seconds. <laughs> and there's another example of former players coming back. I think that just our program is what is so You know, there's certain legendary programs at every level out there. I think Raynaud's got to be one of them, besides the numbers 
we want to be taken seriously. And sometimes kids, they don't like getting their hair cut. They don't like having to shave, dress a certain way. But I was, uh, they allowed me to instill those rules and keep them going. And I think it's just, uh, a sacrifice that they, they need to make to become like in the military. Everybody looks the same. <laughs> so can you tell me from year to year how you would go about improving your coaching skills? I don't think I have any room for improvement. <laughs> Learn from your mistakes. Admit you made mistakes. Don't be afraid to try something new. One thing about high school coaching, it's kind of more or less what you get, you got to deal with. So your style of play may have to change from. So I think it's really more pure coaching. Nothing against college, but college can recruit. So I think that's a little more, you got to make the best of what you have. So you mentioned in there, don't be afraid to try something new. Can you give me an example of something that you implemented that was new? In 94, we're sitting uh, in our, on our hands at the field house at the WBCA Coaches Association Clinic. And uh, who's the coach at Arkansas for all those? Nolan Richardson? Yeah. He was there. And he demonstrated the, the 113, the 13, we called it Arkansas after that, trap. And we just kind of perked up and said, that we're going to have the personnel for this kind of offense and defense. We scored 113 points first game, gave up 78. We knew we were on to something, and that's a team that ended up going to state and uh, running into Cassville and Sam Oakey. By the way, Sam Oakey did goaltend at least four baskets in our game, and he admitted that to me. He also said he'd make those points up anyway, so it's not that big deal, and he's probably right. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about Sam a little bit because, as I mentioned earlier, he was, when I was a child, somebody who I thought was you know, the, the, the best basketball player that I'd seen at that time. So going into a game against a great player like that, how do you prepare your players' mindsets in order to attack that or or not be fearful of their opponent? Um, well, we wanted to get caught up in the hoopla, for one thing, and we understood he's a great player. He's going to get his points. Um, he's probably going to get his calls. Um, but we have to hang in there. And uh, we hung in there and hung in there and had a chance to win the game. But – you know, defensively, I think we're very, very good defensively with our philosophy and things like that and help defense. But we had to hedge on him a little bit. And he still, like I said, scored 39 points at 19 boards and seven blocks, I think. And the game winner in overtime. When we, we played Sam Decker, we knocked out, we gave Sam Decker his uh, loss his junior year in the sectional semifinals. And the next year, of course, was the year he got to down there. I think they may have helped him down there a little bit, but uh, amazing he made the shot that he did. And I said, you can't let a guy like that be. Yeah, so your philosophy is going to be to take the ball out of the best player's hands no matter what? We're going to try. So speaking of opponents, who's an opponent that you can remember that was one of the most competitive that sticks out in your mind? We played Kohler in 94, 95, 96, one in the sectional in Beaver Dam. 
And they had a pecking kid who broke his leg in the first game of regionals. Obviously, he didn't play until he got to our game. On a broken leg, he scored 26 points. And they had a Schumacher kid. They had great guards in the hazes. That was a great team. We were fortunate to get past them. But we found a way to get it done. We think we made 12 threes. That's about the only way we were going to beat them. Wow. On a broken leg, that just seems crazy to me. I still watched the film the other day. Almost every game I have on film or DVD. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Where are all these great games at? Because I was trying to YouTube some of these moments. I was trying to YouTube the play that Tyler was telling me about that you brought up with the off the backboard dunk. And I wasn't able to find very many of them. So I think you need to let some of them out of the vault, Coach. You know, you're probably right. There's been a few that have been put on there, but... I'm catching up technology-wise, and now that I'm retired and i got a little more time on my hands, I can probably get that done. You know, There you go. That, that'll be your next task. Let's talk about mentors. Can you tell me about a mentor that you had in your life and one specific lesson that you learned from them that you continually used? Ken Mahale was my long-time assistant, very successful JV coach, and I had other uh, coaches over the years, players looking back, like I said, the coach, which was great. In the Delk office, Benton and Southwestern, he's the one that got me started in coaching. He's quite the competitive guy and quite the character. We were sitting in uh, Mineral Points gym watching a JV game one year, and he turns to me and says, Bob, what color are my shoes? I said, well, one's brown and one is black. And he said, that's when he found out he was colorblind. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what prompted him to ask you that question? Because his shoes were different colors, and then he said, I bet I got the same pair at home. It was dark in the closet. So. Another one, yeah, we were down in Galena in a heated battle, and I got a technical. And after the game, I apologized to the coach. He said, don't worry about it. They were just afraid to try to give it to me. <laughs> he says, you go shake hands. I'm going to get the official. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, can you summarize your coaching philosophy for me? I know we, we play good defense. We do a lot on building teams. The X's and O's only take you so far. And you got to have players and good players that want to be unselfish. But I think we hang our hat on our defense. I think it's very tough, been tough for us to get scored upon. But we want to play hard, we want to play smart, we want to have fun. And for the most part, I think we do that. What I was going to mention before, and I read, forgot, when we talked about how the players, I made them dress up and cut their hair and things like that. I said, we all we want to do is be, we want to be taken seriously when we go into a gym. And the other opposing team better take us seriously. And I point out to other teams quite often, they're in blue jeans, sweatshirts, hats on. And I said, do you take those guys seriously? And most of them would say, no, we don't. And then it was a blowout. Wow. Yeah, I love that, just being able to point out a very simple concept that carries so much weight. It's amazing how you brought you brought up naturally some of the things uh, off the backboard dunk and then the 
Arkansas defense coming to St. Joe's that time. That was, I, I definitely remember that. Yeah, I remember it well. Was that fifth grade or so? It, it had to be around that that age or something like that. And, you know, I'm in that gym, you know, Tyler and Greg, we had a, a ton of battles because we would play those guys all the time, and mm-hmm. we either played there or the old elementary school in Randolph. Well, where that's he, a great memory. Where he would give Greg six fouls somehow. I don't know how that worked, but <laughs> it's his show. There's another <laughs> guy I definitely have to mention is Hugh and the boys' club, and they've been the key to. Our success, the big part of it, obviously, it takes more than one part. You know, you got to put things together. But more than one uh, Saturday morning, I'd have a knock on my door, and Hugh Roberts would be standing in my kitchen telling me, "I like what you're doing. Don't give up. You're going to get it done." And uh, you can't put into words how much that meant to me. He didn't always agree with me, but he always supported me. I think that's such an important lesson is. We're not always going to see eye to eye 100% of the time, but understanding what the big picture is and that the the ultimate goal is being worked towards. One team building thing I might want to share with you is maybe you've done this yourself, but I'd have the players rank themselves in two categories and their team and their teammates as basketball players, talent, ability, whatever, and by attitude. Then we add up the points and I sit down with each player. They know. They know exactly where they're at. Where do you think you're at on the scale of 1 to 12? Well, about a 4. You know, they know. And I think it opens up. If you get a player that is number one in attitude and number one in ranking as a basketball player, like a Tyler Selk was, you know you got something special. And I think that was uh, – we've used that over the years, and it's the kids telling the teammates what they think of them. All anonymously, of course. But that's one piece of uh, suggestion I might want to share. So with that, I'm curious if you have that number one ranking with attitude. I imagine this doesn't become an issue, but did you ever have a situation where one of those players became a little bit arrogant and you had to bring them back down to earth? Absolutely. And I could show them the nun. I said, this is what your teammates think. And I and he would be he was surprised because he was one of the top three players on the team, but he was also the bottom three in attitude. And they take it seriously, and they go, they realize, okay, I got to change. If I don't change, something bad's going to happen. So it's been very effective the way we've used it over the years. One last thing, Billy. Yeah. I have eight grandsons, no granddaughters, and the oldest is senior. And the youngest is his brother, who is four. So they they keep us on the go quite a bit. Well, it sounds like you need two more so you can run some fives at family parties, right? Exactly. Well, I'm going to get you out of here on, I can probably give you a good chance to tell a good joke. But I like this question because it's, it's lighthearted and sometimes it leads into the personality of the individual a little bit. If you could have one superhero power, what would it be and what would you do with it? I would like to be a mind reader so I could know what people really think of me. <laughs> and what would you do with that? Probably get in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do it as a research project to see what I could possibly, how I could possibly use it. If somebody has the ability to read minds, they uh, are sitting on a gold mine, that's for sure. 
because me as much as you when I was coaching would love to know what is going through a kid's mind when he throws it eight rows deep in the bleachers and thinking, what are you doing? That's where the emotions come in. Yeah, and, you know, that's something that I, I came back to a lot as a coach when you and Hugh trying to be calm on the sideline and because I was very much a pacer and I think it was getting my nervous energy out and over time I became a sitter as I had experience and tried to exude that, you know, through my team. But you and Hugh are definitely two of the few people that I, you know, would refer to as far as pinnacles of what I was trying to achieve. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your thoughts. And I really appreciate, you know, the relationship that we were able to develop years later, you know, when I was at Just the Game Fieldhouse and you had retired and were coming around coaching your grandsons. And this has been really special for me and I thank you for it. And uh, hopefully, I'll uh, run into you sometime up in the Randolph area soon. I've known you a long time, and you're a good man, Billy. Next time on Competitive Mindset. The longer I stayed involved, the more I realized that that was probably what I was meant to do. Competitive Mindset music was produced by DJ Jojo Moore, and all images were created by Elena Keel. Be sure to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and follow us at Competitive Pod.